Alrighty, welcome back to another episode of Sal, the advertising podcast, the advertising podcast that's based in the timeline where the masked singer somehow returns on September 25th. So in honor of this, <laughs> we will all be wearing masks and you're going to have to guess over the course of our episodes, which one of us is behind which mask. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, with that in mind, I am Trent. And if you're wondering why we are called Sal, the advertising podcast, it's quite simple. You know, much like a, a good good bowl of salad there's a lot of different ingredients that go into making up a great ad and we discuss all those and more on this show so we're currently in the more section of that now uh zach how are you doing cole how are you doing i'm doing well you know what doing fine feeling great (laughs) (laughs) that sounded very unenthusiastic but trust me i'm in there i'm in there there you go we're in the (laughs) thick of it the thick of la traffic Mm mm-hmm how is LA, guys? Now that I'm the only one over here, I get to ask you. So please tell me, how is it over there? How's the traffic? Hey, I thought it was a what's happening in Phoenix segment now. I, I shouldn't be on the spot here. We're, we can do that next. We can do that next. I'm, I'm putting you guys on the spot first. Phoenix is Phoenix. So let's start with LA. Cole, um, I believe this is your segment. <laughs> this is my segment. I mean, it's not only mine anymore, but yes, here in LA, it was a little cold today. I'll admit. Dude, it's been um, cold always. It's like June gloom. It's been really cold. Yeah. But I will say this last weekend was pretty exciting. Um, uh, yeah. I went on a bike ride. Yeah. I went on a bike ride, biked all the way from Santa Monica to Manhattan Beach. Oh, it's pretty good. Got myself a nasty sunburn. And, <laughs> I thought that was uh, a drink for a second. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's really good. They put a little sunblock on the top. Term? It's called nasty, <laughs> yeah, they called it nasty sunburn. <laughs> a drink, drink called that. Um, but yeah, so that was good. Uh, still haven't seen Toy Story 4, uh, but, you know, I'll get there. I heard it was good. I didn't see it yet either, but I heard it was really good. I also I heard, heard it was good. good. Too. A roommate watched it. Uh, I have yet to see it. A salad, mm-hmm. the movie review right. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There how's, that, how's Mullen? All right. Mullen's good. Nothing. Yeah, nothing to complain about. Things have been uh, cooking uh, ever since uh, we last spoke. I'm trying to think. There's some news, but not news that I can talk about. Um, so that's the best kind of exactly. News. So trust me, good things are happening. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, life's good in LA for me too. I got in at, you know, late Sunday, went into work Monday, had a good time. It's been a good week. This is the start of my second week. Now things are still going good. Nice. Like the team. Nice. The count's cool as hell. Um, and yeah, just just living life. I went to a Think LA event um, last Thursday, which I, for those of you listening, if you're in LA um, and you are just starting out, uh, check out Think LA. They have summer events and I think events year round, but during the summer, they do an intern showcase thing where it's like three different events over the course of the summer. And it's kind of a networking opportunity, part learning opportunity, part going to other agencies opportunity. And so it was cool. I was at Team One, actually, your old stomping grounds, Cole, uh, last mm. Thursday, listening to a mm. panel from, there was a person oh, yeah. from Edelman. There was a person from RPA, uh, Sachi and Sachi. My head of talent was there was from Sachi. And then we had... Um, Someone from Omelette, which is a cool little creative shop. I don't say little in a demeaning way. They're they're just a small agency, but they do awesome work. And then shoot, there was someone. Oh, there was someone from Media MediaCom or Media Hub, rather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Media Hub. Yeah, Media, yeah. yeah. I, it was funny because you sent me that link, and I didn't know about that until afterwards. I think she works on Netflix, though. I don't really. Yeah, I have not spoken. That's cool. She, she was nice. She had good info. Um, so yeah, things have been going good. Just getting settled in, you know, onboardings are, are, you know, ongoing, which is fun. This is the first place I feel like I've had a, just a very regimented training onboarding program because it's not like I haven't been onboarded before, but it's interesting because, you know, people would tell me like, you may enjoy starting out at a, a bigger agency because they just have such like, 
set up training processes to get you to like an account and how things work. So I'm in onboarding meetings about how to do campaign developments and stuff that like I've never had before. And like I've been in them, I've picked it up on my own. I've learned stuff from people asking questions, being in meetings, but to have to like be able to sit down and just see a process and go over like different documents and learn different ways of doing things. It's, it's cool. It feels like it's giving me a nice little backbone to my amorphous blob of knowledge that I've accumulated. <laughs> from the <laughs> yeah. Um, nice. It's all about, I will say the that's the, that's the holding company kind of thing. You know, you get in there and you do your onboarding kind of like a, a more like a normal company. And I think you're totally right, Trent, in the sense that like they've already got all their softwares, everything's set up. You just plug into it and whatnot. Um, but I don't know. There's always something about it though. That's like confusing and, way different than the last place you were at though i feel like it's a bit of a culture <laughs> shock you know but it's a yeah. good experience I'm, I'm i'm enjoying it over exactly. there um yeah um it's awesome it's cool la is interesting i, I realized i was <laughs> talking with my girlfriend about it and i realized i was like why did it take me an extra hour and a half to get in and partly traffic but i also realized that my maps i was using google maps i switched over to apple maps at this point because google just hasn't been they've been struggling for me but um i realized that it didn't tell me about an exit I had to make. So instead I came in from Arizona, went through Riverside and then went all the way up to like above <laughs> Santa Monica and took the freeway down through LA to get to Torrance instead of just going from Riverside down to Torrance. <laughs> so, <laughs> but so it like you went like through the Valley. I went through the, yeah, something? well I went through the inland yeah. empire and then I went, up yeah. like north of Santa Monica and came down through downtown. So I did like a circle, like I could have taken the exit to go straight to Torrance. And instead I did like an hour and a half loop, not realizing it. So I didn't, <laughs> it was just giving I you the LA say, grand I didn't, I didn't have the best starting experience <laughs> with, with LA traffic, but uh, <laughs> it's okay. I'm learning, but, but you sure got to experience it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, and LA is interesting. You know, there's, there's definitely some interesting noises I hear at night in Carson that involve police activity after I hear them, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> I'm indoors. It's okay. Life is good. But yeah. So with all of that aside, um, we wanted to kind of take this episode to do just like a little bit of a can recap. Um, you know, we highlighted last, uh, two weeks ago, um, a couple different campaigns that were at can that we thought were campaigns to watch and so we're going to highlight those again and then talk about a little campaign that popped up um during can as well that's pretty exciting and fun and uh you know two that was two episodes ago last episode if you haven't heard it yet go ahead and listen to it we had a great interview with jonah katz over at giant spoon performance media strategist great guy uh cole and i are actually hanging out with him later on this week um super friendly, super outgoing, really good info and really good insights. So go ahead and check out that interview. And um, yeah, so we're going to start it off with um, Dream Crazy. That was the first campaign to watch that we listed. Now, Zach, do you kind of want to talk about how it performed? Sure. Uh, Dream Crazy came away with two Grand Prix. I'm only going to touch on the Grand Prix because they're kind of the biggest and and most... uh, the most heavy, I guess they've got the heavy, the most, I don't know what the hell I'm saying. Sorry, guys. They're the most <laughs> desired. I think only 26. They're the most desired is the better word than like heavy hitting. <laughs> yeah. So for, for, for reference, I think there, there was only like 26 or something close to that, that won a Grand Prix at Cannes this year out of like all of the entries worldwide. So it is like yes. that and then mm-hmm. like a black pencil, I think it is from like DNA and AD. Yes, black pencil is the yeah. other most awarded or most coveted. Yeah. That's coveted. the word I was mm-hmm. looking for, most coveted. There we award. go. And yeah. the thing about Grand Prix too is that uh, you don't necessarily, they don't necessarily have to give one out in every category right. each year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's That's my favorite The part. judge's discretion <laughs> if they... If uh, if a piece of work is worthy enough to earn one of the Grand Prix and the same thing is the uh, the same thing stands for the the black pencil. So those two are kind of on an elevated level of of award, I guess, when it comes to advertising awards. But so uh, Dream Crazier won two Grand Prix at Cannes. It won the inaugural entertainment for sport, um, which 
to no, to, I think to no one's surprise, it won that one. Granted that there was an entertainment for sport category, uh, but it also won uh, the Grand Prix for outdoor, which was really interesting to me. I feel like that one had a little bit stiffer competition for that specific campaign. However, uh, the jury still seemed to think that it blew all the competition away. They said uh, it, they cited it as the ad was the hands down winner with no other work coming close to contention for the top prize. So apparently it blew all it blew everyone away in that category as well. But yeah, so Dream Crazier came away with with two Grand Prix, and I think it was 100 percent deserved. Um, as I spoke on last week or two weeks ago, whenever this one first aired that we talked about it, uh, I was totally in love with this campaign from the from the minute it aired. Uh, and I thought it definitely deserved everything. Yeah, 100 percent. Hmm. Totally. So cool. Totally. You are up next. Um, the truth is uh, yeah, hard. Yeah, I guess I'll go into mine winning now. Awards so, yes. Hard. The truth is hard, but winning two awards was <laughs> not that hard for <laughs> this New York Times campaign. Um, so, uh, the truth the truth campaign, um, you know, the truth is worth it from the New York Times and Droga 5, I, I think has really been a big inspirational piece for me. And it cleaned up at the awards. Um, so it won, I guess, kind of two. Um, so it snagged. Yeah, there's kind of there was one award where it shared, but I'll start with the one that it actually won. Um, so that would be in film. So um the the cool thing about it is that it took top honors in both film and film craft. Film craft, I believe, was the shared award, but film was uh, just the New York Times. And I think that that's really the cool thing is that it really grabs you in a different sort of a way. And in the sense that when you're watching it, you know that it's a newspaper, the New York Times, because the way that they flash certain words onto the page or onto the, see, I even called it a page. Yeah. <laughs> they flash words onto the screen, such as, you know, parents deported, uh, you know, children separated going into, of course, the uh, child separation uh, issue. Um, but then once there's a bunch of words, they've collected all this evidence through the videos, you know, those words flow into the page itself. And I just think that visual and just everything that they did to tie that in to the entire campaign was gorgeous. And um, that's kind of what they said there. And I think the cool thing is you do see kind of a marriage of the creative and a little bit of the media as well. And that's kind of what the judges were saying as well to quote, um, I believe the CCO of uh, Goodby here, uh, Margaret Johnson, she said that it was the best example of idea and execution coming together. Um, and it demonstrated credibility, authenticity and intensity. And I think that that, point on authenticity um you know it's something that we've talked we talk about a lot as advertisers and marketers but we're kind of i think hitting the peak of purpose-driven marketing whereas literally you have campaigns built on dream crazy and the truth is worth it these very fundamental kind of foundational concepts mm -hmm. of truth and of purpose and we're seeing brands build off of those. So I think we're seeing kind of the apex of it. But great to see this campaign went out. So another thing, and then, yes. um, mm -hmm. I don't quote me because I'm not 100 percent sure, but I believe this is the first time that a campaign has won for film and film craft. I think yes. the first time um, a campaign has gotten both, which is pretty interesting as well. Yes, it does. This is this is the first time that a single campaign has won both of them. Um, and a lot of that had to do with the way that they tied these spots into different things. Um, I don't know if you guys have been watching it all. There's uh, the New York Times now has a show called The Weekly. I heard about so that. it's basically a weekly. Yeah, it's a weekly television show. Um, but the really cool thing about it is they use the same aesthetic from the ads. So they've completely tied that into their branding. And when you watch the show, it feels like one cohesive thing. It's almost like, you know, the New York Times front page, but on your TV. And That's awesome. they've adapted that into the show. I would definitely say check it out, at least an episode or at least the intro that really highlights that. Where's it at? Um, Where can we find it? Uh, it's on Hulu uh, or FX, I believe. Uh, I think it's on Sunday on FX, Monday on Hulu. So check it out. Very cool. <laughs> the truth is. <laughs> Sponsored by. <laughs> Sponsored by Hulu. <laughs> You Which know, I just love watching of, it on Hulu. No. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're ready to hear uh, Cole and I talk later on in this podcast episode about how we love Anchor. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
which we do. We do. We do. Um, wouldn't wouldn't have the podcast without it. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, continuing on to my campaign to watch um, Insta Novels. Uh, you know, I had the pleasure of being at the agency that worked on this last summer and seeing the people work on it. Um, just loved it, and I really. I don't know. It's interesting. Zach and I were talking about this off. It's it's curious to see how juries will judge certain stuff. And sometimes something comes along that is just rips through all the competitions and wins all the awards. So it's interesting to see. So Instant Novels did not win a Grand Prix, but it did win a bronze, a silver, and a gold. Uh, and the gold is in design, which coincidentally also was Mother New York's first gold that they had won. I think Mother London had many before that, but it's the first brought to the U.S., which is exciting for them. And then they're shortlisted on the titanium as well. Um, and I had mentioned some metrics to talk about, but if we're going to talk about unconventional ideas, I just think this was such a great way to do it. You know, how do you increase readership and increase interest in libraries and in books and stuff? And you took the New York Public Library, which like any public you know, service account, it's not like their content wasn't bad. It was great content, but it was, you know, it's not something that people typically would think to follow. Right. And so in the first 24 hours of re- releasing their first book, which was Alice in Wonderland, they got 13,000 new followers. And then after it started getting picked up by media outlets, as even in Times at one point in the Wall Street Journal, um, they have now today 160,000 new followers on their account um, for a total of like 361,000. So they they like practically more than doubled who they had following it. And then over 300,000 people have actually read the novels through the stories, like start to finish, which is just absolutely insane. Nice. It's a total hack of a, an existing awesome. platform, which is so cool. And and it sounds like um, sounds like they're they're working on it again. Um, with new kind of executions for it and other people have reached out to them. So I'm, I'm curious to see, um, you know, I'm curious to see what happens with it. There's an interview with um, the uh, the art director who worked on it, Lauren uh, Van Oswagen. And um, there's an interesting quote from her that I'm just going to read really quick. And, you know, the question was, what do you say to people who are like, quote, books shouldn't be on phones? And she said, I think, to be honest, this is the bravery of our client. A lot of people do say social media is the death of literacy. And I think we could easily romance the feeling of a paperback novel and how it smells or try to make the library cool for cool kids. They were super brave to say, we're not going to hate on social media. We're actually going to embrace it. Obviously, having a physical book is amazing, but if you can't beat them, join them. If social media is going to distract you, try to embrace it and figure out a way you can work with it rather than trying to sell them on a book. I think that's an interesting perspective to have on really like if you're looking for ways to break through the clutter in advertising, sometimes it is finding out what people are using and and teaching them to use it in a way different than they already do. Um, You don't always have to go back to the the original source, you know, you don't have to always go back to the book. Sometimes you can just reframe people's perspectives on how to use Instagram. So it's kind of interesting. I just think that that's such a cool concept and a, a, a strategic insight there. Um, so it's cool to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, something that's interesting about Can, for those of you listening, some of you may already know all about it. Some of you may not. Um, but it's kind of like a... I'm not going to say it's divisive because I think everyone typically is excited about can everyone submits typically everyone's interested. I, you know, I kind of yeah. want to open this up to you, to both of you as well, but like there are always complaints about can about how the entries cost so much to enter and you're just kind of, some people feel that it's just a popularity contest because People will see work that they've never seen out in the real world or never even heard of until it's there. And and sometimes it'll be stuff that like, oh, it was written about in all the articles. So then it just automatically gets one. And so there's and because it's judged by peers, I mean, which makes sense, but you'll have people that are elected to juries for each category that are from the industry and people will vote on them and choose them. And because it's such a prestigious award, it is always contentious because sometimes people feel like they're left out or people feel like something shouldn't have won that did. And because of how much money it costs, it's interesting. You know, they they definitely can has been changing their procedures, making it a little bit more affordable. Um, but it is a great 
conference to meet other advertising people to to sit in on talks like Facebook will be doing stuff on the beach. You know what I mean? Like it, a lot of just random crazy stuff like that. And so for someone like me entering in this industry, you know, it's not about the awards, but it does strike me as an event that I think would be great to go to at some point in my life, just because it is really the advertising mecca in a sense. And so it's interesting to see, and people will use that. There were protests there this year. People people will use it to launch some campaigns and break through the clutter. And that's kind of what happened with uh, a campaign that happened there. But before we dive into that, do you guys have any other thoughts on cans you want to call out, kind of to explain to, to listeners who may not know much about it, kind of how big of a deal it is, but sometimes how it can be um, a little bit complicated and how it's viewed? Yeah, um, I've got a couple things, actually. I still want to bring up one more campaign that I that I really had a oh, strong yeah. don't let me don't let me take the reins away. I'm not mm-hmm. it, I, I really <laughs> wanted to talk about this. But bef- before I do that, I'm going to answer this question, Trent. Uh, you're absolutely right. It's definitely one of those things that's been sort of divisive in the community, uh, especially recently as budgets have gotten tighter. People have started to question if the cost is worth it. How many people do you send out there? Is it worth wasting the money on? I say wasting in quotes. You can't see them, but I'm air quoting wasting because there is a but sort of fact you can see the mask you're wearing. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there, Come on. Is, Come on, there is a sort of value in these things, particularly for the creative teams. Uh, and this is this is where it gets complicated because for a lot of creatives in the industry, awards are their tickets to future jobs and to promotions um, yeah. more so than performance. When you're looking at like media departments, performance is a is a really good metric. But for creatives, where it's a lot more subjective, these awards are kind of what they use to prove their worth in the in the industry. And so I feel like there is always going to be a place for them, whether or not these awards always mirror the most effective ads or the best, again, in quotes, ads uh, is up for interpretation or is yeah. up for debate well, because that that's can why the ethics are a thing, you know, like the, the effectiveness is really like there are awards for those too. So it's, I feel like people forget that sometimes. Yeah. But one thing that I always like to highlight is that a lot of creatives rely on these rewards to, to get their promotions and to advance in their career because everyone is always yep. looking for, for what you've won. So as mm-hmm. a creative, and that's that's sort of where their value is is in that in that proving your worth uh, sort of uh, section or segment of your of your portfolio. <laughs> yeah, it seems that's so funny because I was I was just listening to this thing recently and they were talking about how it is now become a bigger and bigger deal, especially for creatives. You know, to like you know get on a panel and you know have something to say, you know, and those sorts of things. Even getting and on a podcast even, too. Like if you're creative, exactly, or getting on a podcast on there too. <laughs> yeah, we're actually live from Cannes right now. So that's <laughs> everyone's left. <laughs> that's we're in a cheap room. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's gone, but uh, no. But and it was kind of funny too because they were even talking about the difference between going there as a CD versus an ECD, oh, sure. and just how it's so much worse as an executive because you're just in meetings the whole time you have people coming up to you you know trying to again kind of like curry for favor and stuff and so it's just interesting to see how that's changing and yeah. i have some thoughts about it too but i'll let you i'll let you uh, finish your thoughts zach sure okay well i wanted to bring up one more campaign that actually won a grand prix and actually beat out uh nike's campaign the dream crazy campaign for this win uh so it went to wendy's in the, mm. uh, yeah, I believe it was our social and the influencer space. Yeah, the social and influencer category. Um, yeah, and it particularly had to do with what Wendy's did uh, with Twitch and Fortnite. Uh, the reason that I really wanted to bring this up is because of Fortnite. Because in Madness, cue my shameless plug here. If you want to sign up, madnesstrends.com. I've talked about uh, Fortnite a lot recently because they've been doing some really interesting stuff, but. In Madness, I've been talking about this probably, I think, in maybe four of the last six weeks or something. It's been a lot recently. Fortnite has mm-hmm. been in my, in my report because they've been doing some wildly inventive stuff. Uh, they hosted a concert where Marshmallow performed if you logged into uh, Right into the yeah. game. No, I think it was actually in the game. If you log in, it was for yeah. playing. Oh, you would be transported to this stage, and your virtual character could move around and jam out while Marshmallow was actually doing a live performance. Okay. Never been done before. 
Uh, also, Nike released a, a limited edition shoe that they did not make in real life. It was an Air Jordan 1. that You could only get this colorway of the shoe in the game. And the characters are wearing it in the game. It's completely virtual. That's also never been done before. And they charged like 15 bucks for it or whatever. Um, <laughs> there was a, a report that came out recently that talked about Fortnite having more resemblances to Facebook and a social media network than it does a video game. So there's been some really interesting stuff that Fortnite has been been sort of doing. Uh, and the fact that Wendy's capitalized on it, I think, was great. So what Wendy's did uh, was, was brilliant. They went on to, yeah, it's brilliant. They went on to Fortnite. Mm-hmm. They, uh, Fortnite had this special event where they did a pizza versus burger showdown. So you basically picked team pizza or team burger, uh, I believe. And then that's how they, they kind of staged the teams for these matches. Uh, so Wendy's decided that they, they were going to go on and destroy all the freezers. They, they came in as team, they came in as team pizza only because they said the burgers in Fortnite were frozen. And Wendy's doesn't use frozen beef, as we all know. <laughs> yeah. so, so what Wendy's did was they built a character and they streamed this all on Twitch. So this is how it got big. But they built a character and they went in in this game mode as Team Pizza. And instead of fighting the other players, they went to every burger joint on the map and found the freezer and destroyed it. <laughs> it was amazing. And so that was literally all they did. And the response was incredible. People started seeing it on uh, seeing it on Twitch and then eventually it got to the point where everyone that was playing the game just started going into the burger joints and destroying all the freezers uh, instead of killing the other people whenever they saw them or whenever they saw that Wendy's was on, they just sort of participated with them. And it got to the point where Fortnite finally removed all of the freezers in game from all of their burger joints, Uh, which I thought was, you know, just incredible. Like the fact that Wendy's went and played a video game, built a character that looked just like the, the Wendy's uh, girl, Wendy, is, is she Wendy? I think she's Wendy. I think she, um, sir, this is a Wendy's, <laughs> not Wendy's phone number. <laughs> yeah. But, but so she looked like, we're going to call her Wendy if she's not. She looked like Wendy and she went in and just destroyed all of these freezers uh, and completely changed what characters were or what players were doing in the game. Uh, they got an incredible amount of positive feedback uh, and ultimately got Fortnite to take the freezers out of the thing out of the game. I thought this was just incredible for that reason. And the fact that Wendy's decided that they were going to create a video game character and go on and and actually play as a brand with other, uh, with other players that were playing the game. I thought it was awesome. So I had to bring that up one because of how amazing Fortnite has been and what it's been doing. And two, because it beat. Yeah. Well, so So. that's interesting too. I've talked about it before, but it is frustrating to me when like I've been in meetings uh, at, you know, at past places, you know, and I and read about online about how some people will caution, like, stay away from Twitch because the community is toxic. And it's like one of those things where it's like, yes, there are issues with that. But I think it neglects to consider the fact that gaming is such a community based space. And it really is just the engagement you get with stuff like that and, and, and giving people like something that they can use in a game they love. Like, you know, it's not like Fortnite is the first thing place to do that, you know, but it's the fact of how they've done it and they've productized it and really worked with brands in these cool ways is so cool. And then for Wendy's to hop on and do that and stream it on a platform like Twitch where you can get so many eyes on it is, is pretty freaking cool. It, It is interesting though this is kind of changing subjects and so we'll get back on topic, but I, I just to put this out here, it is interesting though, because I almost feel like I, I was in a meeting the other day and I heard someone refer that like, you know, if your brand is thinking about doing an ad that plays off of a meme, unless they're doing it the next day, stay away from it. Cause by the time it gets approved and comes out, it'll look like your grandpa trying to advertise, you know what I mean? Cause the meme will have already died. And oh. You look at these battle royale games like Fortnite and, you know, Pub and all of those that were before it, they all died out over the course of like maybe six months to a year. And Fortnite was kind of the first one to stay alive and it's starting to fall off now. But it, Apex Legends was really the big competitor in Apex, or Apex rather, has already died out essentially. And and, and Fortnite is still going, so albeit a little bit lower engagement. And I think part of it is because it, is 
so open to working with these other brands and stuff to do content that one helps the brand, but two allows them to keep their consumer base engaged. Um, cause it's like, it's kind of cool. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's an interesting topic. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at that. Cause like some of these games live and die so quickly. Um, but for Fortnite to be able to do yeah, it and mm-hmm. to be able to do it like this, is, it's, and, it's interesting. It's kind of cool to observe. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so I want to definitely build upon that point and just say that one thing that I really like about Can and one thing that I like that they did this year, especially, is the fact that they honored something like yes, this. Yes, that's what they, we're talking they, about. Overnight. You know, exactly. Exactly. Just that the fact too, that there's these, you know, these agencies that can do this work that could never have happened five, even two years ago. And it's getting top honors and it's getting recognized. And I just, you know, as all of us being graduates from the number one school for innovation, (laughs) I've been, I've been telling people about that. I do. Exactly. I do like seeing, I do like seeing some innovation. And so I think one thing that can has done really well is starting to integrate those things and across categories in a big way. And that's kind of one thing that I've kind of, kind of been hearing just agency buzz, just people that I talk to is that, you know, can was kind of a little bit more of a, a little bit of a dud last year in this, not as big, just, you know, Publicis wasn't there in some ways. Um, you know, maybe it was a little bit retracted. Um, but, uh, apparently this year it was rip roaring and kind of back off to, um, you know, levels that people had seen before. This is just what I had heard on a, a couple of podcasts and stuff well, like yeah, that. I agree. Um, and then, and then, uh, but one thing that I was just thinking about too, um, there was kind of some interesting, wins in some ways um I, I saw that you know fcb uh really they took a lot of it um With which the, i thought uh, was pretty surprising i mean i feel yeah that was the titanium yeah. uh which i mean goes to show again it's like i don't know i i don't know about how you guys felt about it but seeing it it was cool it was awesome that oh yeah i mean this is like super innovative it's so cool to see you know them getting app downloads obviously over four million that's crazy um but at the same time, and it was so clever too, but again, it's not like the most exciting thing. And I think that's because we're in the craft of it. And so, I don't know. And even just looking at this, looking at, you know, all of the things that FCB had won and, you know, obviously McCann cleans up um, and, you know, the big agencies, VML, YNR obviously did very well as, as well. But I kind of, here's a question to you guys. I mean, these are all huge agencies that are parts of either networks or are, you know, some of the most recognized creative shops in the world. Um, Do you guys feel that can kind of is maybe only for the big dogs and should it be? I don't know. I was just thinking about this. Should they have a newcomers category? So this is interesting, but it's, it's hard to judge. It's hard to judge. So I I just wanted to hear you guys. I mean, okay. So I'm going to say no, but no, no, but mm-hmm. because, okay, look at, look at dream All crazy. Right. I mean, that's from widen the largest independent mm-hmm. network, you know? Yeah. Um, and you know, mother mm-hmm. one, I think across its offices that won a handful of can. And I think there are, you know, other mm-hmm. independents that will get it. I mean, it's always funny, like, cause I'll like looking for jobs, you know what I mean? Like b- before I graduated, I would be scrolling through different states looking at agencies and i'd be like holy shit they want a can you know what i mean like had never even heard of them so mm-hmm. i you know sightwire has a can do, do they really or, or no sorry not sightwire sorry <laughs> jackie who works at sightwire has a can really that's she awesome for sonic oh, for oh sonic. yeah yeah oh that's a shout out to, shout out to jackie and sightwire they're awesome jackie crimes at sightwire anyone's looking for a digital marketing agency in phoenix <laughs> check out Sightwire. <laughs> call his bias because he jackie worked Krine, there jackie crimes has a can check it out <laughs> <laughs> I, I i fully endorse that too though that's awesome um okay yeah. <laughs> what was i saying oh it's you're talking yeah. about agencies yeah yeah like- <laughs> yeah before calls <laughs> okay i loved that um yeah so you can break through because i think good work always rises to the top but I will say, it, it, it. I think it is one of those things where some places don't even enter stuff because they're just like, it's not worth the money. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's always going to be the thing is like, you need money to run these things, but they're never going to be a true reflection of the industry's best if people aren't spent like entering because they it's cost prohibitive. So that's the interesting thing mm-hmm. is like, what is that balance there? Because there's no way you could do just a free awards event, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's like, I, but then it's like too, maybe that's what these here's, are for. Here's the these other, are the best, yeah. the best. Because the campaigns are so huge too. Like a, a small agency couldn't do most of these things. Most well, of these That's where I disagree. Because that's the interesting thing is like, something like the burger king right like the fcb spot like they're like that's like you can break through like that and you know it it, so it's interesting i i just think like the fcb spot with burger king i really liked because when Mm -hmm. i started out at off madison ave i was working with geofencing technology and stuff like that that without getting into details the whole thought process of geofencing and what I really got into and was researching heavily and almost did my thesis on at one point was like, you know, using geofencing for that purpose, like what Burger King did. I'm not saying I had that idea, but like the amount of things you can do with it. I almost think that that was equally as interesting as what Wendy's did, because that is another spot of like geofencing and tech and apps and stuff like that, that I feel like hasn't really been played with as much by advertisers. And I feel like that was equally interesting to expand upon it. I just think that you are always going to have bigger agencies that have a bigger client list with bigger budgets that are always doing campaigns. So there's more odds of getting to be shown at can because the more you're doing just greater odds that something will hit. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that leads to this impression that only the big dogs are at it. But to your point of like size and budgets and client, it really does come down to a good client agency relationship. And 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 while you don't need a big budget, I think it helps. But that's a, I love that question because that's making me think a lot. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And I mean, and I think you're totally right. And I mean, that is, I guess, sort of the genius of the Burger King campaign is the fact that, you know, they were able to do something and it's something that you could break through with again like that. And I... I think that is really cool. And again, to see the innovation happening from that end, I think is. Important. Yeah. Cause here's the thing with can too. It's funny. I read that they dropped, I forget the exact name of the category, but this year they dropped like the social responsibility or like the cause based marketing one essentially, or the purpose based marketing category essentially because pretty much a wide spread of the campaigns were in somewhat in some way involved with it. So it almost felt redundant to have that category, which is an interesting kind of cool look at how the industry is changing. But it's, I think it shows too, that can is always trying to update itself too. And maybe it hasn't in the past, but it seems like they're starting to, cause then like the sports entertainment category yeah. was brand new. And I think a bold, a boldness to put something like Wendy's as a grand prix too. It's, it, I think it shows that it, the environment we're in is shifting as well. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. And I think and and yeah, again, it's we, we could we could talk about this for a long time. But again, it's just like, it's cool to see that innovation is getting recognized. And if anything, the fact that you can still do something small, yeah, and hopefully get recognized for it, though. I will say, though, the primor- primarily yeah. there are a lot of large activations and a lot of big. Well, there's no question it's easier but, when you've yeah. got big budgets and the, the more recognizable well, brands exactly. because you can take more risks. And so that's always going to be the entrance. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, course, too. Yeah. Here's the thing, too. I, I think the money is a big prohibitor because like a small agency that could be ton of money i don't remember the exact figures but i remember seeing the cost to submit last year and i was like my mouth dropped um you know i think the cost prohibitive but i also think like how many agencies do you know of that actually market themselves well and we've talked about this before on and off or maybe we haven't even mentioned on the pod but like the amount of times like i would see an agency do a really cool piece of work and then it just stops there you know like Sometimes there's like a thought of like, well, if we're good enough, people will find us. But I think like I look at Droga 5 and I think part of the reason they're so good is they're so effective at making sure that everything they do is out in the news. Their PR department. Exactly. Their PR. Like, and I think that's why, because like it's important to do the great work because 
great work rises and you'll be noticed, but it's equally important to attract new talent, to keep the good work going and also to make people aware of the agency to attract new talent and also to maybe earn these awards or to earn more earned impressions for, or even, you know, paid impressions Mm -hmm. for, for your brand that you worked on is to really send this stuff out into the world and share it with people. I mean, you know, drop a line at the publications, call up a couple different people. You know what I mean? Like put yourself out there because I don't think a lot of agencies talk about it too. So it's, it's interesting. I feel like that plays in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I was just thought of that and it was like cough, cough, tight ad, cough, cough. Like had anyone talked about that at all? I mean, besides there was obviously the Super Bowl, the shadow of it hanging out of it hanging over the Super Bowl this year. But like, I feel like that was a campaign that didn't really have legs. And I mean, it's a Super Bowl spot. So duh, but look at what Bud Light did. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's like I, I think, too, I, I really appreciate that because it's like, did you actually make an impact? Did this actually matter? Mm-hmm. Or did we talk about well, it for five yeah. seconds? You know, and even the fact, okay, here's, here's something that completely highlights, again, what I'm talking about right here. Okay. So I just did a thing on Instagram that says, okay, Drake officially has more top 10 hits than the Beatles. (laughs) I was like, okay, well, yes, but who is going to matter? Who matters more right now for one thing? And then who's going to matter in 20 years more, you know? It's like Drake's living in a land of streaming legends. You know, you can have Lil Nas X, some guy that he didn't he didn't even make music a year prior. And then he just becomes one of the biggest artists in the country that everyone's talking about. But like, what did that do? Are we are we going to be talking about him in six months? Maybe. But like, I think it's about lasting impact and the lasting impact of creativity is still profitable. But short term, I think it's that's that's it. I'm mad, but it's okay. I'm mad, <laughs> like it. but it's okay. I think you're right. Though. I'm like, not really mad. Well, I'm not so really here, mad. Here's an interesting. Well, so to your point, it's funny. It's it's because there's an article in Ad Ad Week recently uh, by Doug Zanger, June 18th. Are Can Lion Grand Prix winning ads effective? A study says no, unless it's a tight ad. Mm. So it's funny, like that was really the only one that was effective. They tested 75 Grand Prix and gold winners in the film category from 2010 to 2018. Wow. And yeah. um, they wanted, they did it to show that marketers and creatives have nothing to fear from ad testing. But it's interesting because it's like, uh, you know, okay, about 53% of them had a three or higher, you know, compared to the other ones. But the, the Tide ad was really the one that was, most effective as well as um mm-hmm. you know Wyden and Kennedy's best job ad for PNG. It's interesting. Yeah. Um but the Tide ad one was the only Grand Prix winner to win a top rating. So oh, I see. It, it, yeah, it's it's so it was sixth out of the top six ads rated and it was the only Grand Prix winner and that was sixth. So I think it shows that sometimes you're right, it can be a little bit focused on the here and now we can get caught up in the hype partly because of pr Mm -hmm. but um and even to your point of the memes looking at that impact yeah exactly because here's the thing they tried or are you i think tide ad was so effective because it showed you don't need to just do one commercial you can tie commercials together they're not the first to do this white and kennedy actually tried to do it with subaru in the super bowl but like it was a blowout game and people weren't watching and ended up not being effective which shows the risk of it Mm -hmm. i think it was a little bit too complicated because they're almost like trying to build the subaru car over the course of several commercials during the super bowl and like (laughs) so people didn't really get what was going on yeah it's cool in concept right but then like Mm -hmm. in the environment it's like oh shit the game was a blowout people were walking around getting food leaving turning off the game so it didn't even hit home so it's a huge risk but i think tide ad really showed the the, the the benefit that can happen even though they tried to then do it with nfl games later in the fall and i do not think they're nearly yeah. as effective so it's, it's funny it's it's just yeah. interesting to see but cole you're just coming with the, the, the great points today i'm trying to give some hot takes i've been trying to brush up on my can news today i didn't have that much to do mm. at work I can dig it. And with that. I I also want to talk about that category, what we just talked about, but I think we should move on and save that for another episode. Okay. <laughs> because otherwise we're just gonna keep going in it. We'll put it. Sure thing. Sure thing. Right, we'll book. We'll bookmark it. Yeah. Bookmark it. Yeah. We'll yeah. put it into our very packed content schedule. <laughs> it's very planned out. Far in advance. 
Um, <laughs> um, exactly. Sometime in August, maybe, and we can fit in there. <laughs> uh, well, you didn't see my last email, so we're going to have to push back to, you know, September. But uh, um, Okay, so free Droga 5. Um, we had an episode that really went into this. Um, gosh, I don't even remember what episode it was at this point. Uh, we just push out so much content, you know. Um, but let me pull it up really quick. It was... Uh, <laughs> it was I've got it right here, Trinity. It was it was created by episode fourteen. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, oh, I was gonna say, you know, episode fourteen, Droga Five and the State of Agencies. Go back and listen to that episode if you want, and then listen to this again with a new perspective if you haven't heard it before. But Droga Five was bought out by Accenture Interactive. Droga was never really independent for the last few years, but they were viewed as one of the last industry darlings, which I get because I felt the same way. But it's funny because they weren't necessarily independent. But Terry and Sandy, is that what it is? Yep. Yeah, Terry and Sandy, they're a small New York-based independent agency. They launched, was it a Kickstarter campaign or GoFundMe? GoFundMe. Yeah, they started a GoFundMe page to raise enough money to buy Droga 5 back from Accenture. And so they had these posters placed around can that was hashtag free Droga. And there was... The O in Droga was a, a a handcuff, and the chain linked to the tail of the five, because um, it's uh, essentially the G is replaced by a five in their logo, and it's hilarious. And it got some money, but it was really more of a PR play um, by Terry Meyer and Sandy Greenberg. Um, Droga didn't comment on it, um, but I just. I, you know, that spoke to me. I was like that, you know, in my heart, I would pay for that too. And they're taking the money that is raised and they're giving it to uh, the Malala Fund, which is a nonprofit founded to support education for girls across the globe. So it's a great cause at the end of the day, but it is just totally fascinating. And then they did a media play with it, posting about it online and really started trending uh, to the point where I think even someone from RG, yeah, RGA commented on it. Uh, saying a plane just flew past the beach tugging a hashtag free droga banner. Is he trapped on a bad panel? Question <laughs> mark. Like, so it really got the industry commenting on it as well. And uh, someone posted an if of Dobby saying droga has no master. Droga is a free agency. <laughs> Help us free them. I was like, it started a great conversation. I just, that spoke to me too. And honestly, that was probably one of the more impactful ads I think I've seen this year, just because for me, I just, I do think there is something about (laughs) that independence. You know, it's not like it means great work comes from one place or another. You get great work from both holding company, partially owned and independence, but it's just such a great, I think for Droga, it's just a fun way to play at them and also get attention for their own agency as well. But what did you guys think about that? I was personally, I just, I loved it. I was dying. (laughs) It was, it was really funny. And yeah, to, to, I just looked up some of the numbers so I could, so I could see, I think they yeah, uh, they raised about $700 as of the time this article was written, okay. which was like right after it happened. So that was June 20th. Okay. So I'm sure there's a little bit more by now. They only raised 700 bucks of $475 million. <laughs> uh, so they didn't get really far, apparently. Uh, no effort for that. <laughs> but I can. But I can. That's the, that's the interesting part. Because um, their Facebook engagement was up 310%. Oh, Wow. Um, and there you go. I, I think it's like, and great the reason idea. they were doing it too was actually, uh, it's funny that you mentioned the Effies because it was because at the Effies they got rated the number two, oh, uh, yeah. independent agency, the number two most effective independent agency in North America behind Droga 5. Droga 5 was still independent at that time and they were number one. And so the reason they did it was, it was pretty much self promotion. Like, yeah, they're raising money, but it was saying, hey, we were the number two independent agency. We kind of want our yep. competition back because <laughs> they were number one and now they're not independent anymore. So like, what the hell? Like that's, that's sort of what the message that they were, they were kind of pushing out was. Uh, and I think that's awesome because it, they knew they weren't going to raise the money, obviously, but their engagement went up 310%. And they had the agency, uh, the, the industry talking about them. Other agencies were tweeting about them and people that worked with them. Uh, were, were posting content online while they were at can uh, and they really made an impact which was pretty pretty awesome. yeah it's amazing <laughs> 
Um, yeah, you summed it up quite well, um, quite better than I did. Um, <laughs> so what the hell, all of our feelings when we saw that. Um, yeah, and so we're going to kind of switch over. Um, you know, we have some other news and notes, but I think we're going to jump over to a fan question that we had sent in. Again, if you listen to this show and want to ask us a question, we know there are some of you that listen from overseas, such as in the UK, uh, France, or even Sweden. Um, shout out to Sweden again. Shout out Sweden. Um, <laughs> Sweden. Six, six or 7% of our total listens now. They come through. Um, but the... Um, yeah, send in a fan question to, to get back to my main point. If, you, if you're listening, you have a question on the content we talked about, have an opinion, or you want to ask us something that we haven't talked about before, go ahead, follow us on Instagram at salad underscore podcast. You don't have to follow us, but you can DM us, and we'll keep an eye out for your, your message. We'll put it on the pod. Also, we have a Twitter at salad underscore podcast. So you can add us on Twitter and uh, ask us a question there, um, even on Facebook or even on LinkedIn, but I don't know really what the LinkedIn messaging looks like for a brand. So maybe stay to Instagram or Twitter, but um, ask us a question because we love to talk about those. And it's, it's always nice to kind of, you know, this podcast exists to help people out. And so what better way to do that than to answer your questions directly? Um, so this came in and our person said, hi guys, I'd love to hear you talk about how people perceive authenticity. At my internship, we chose to shoot some videos on iPhones instead of a better camera because we were thinking that people would think it was more authentic. Um, now, Zach, especially with you being a writer, you have a great creative insight into this. And Cole, too, from a strategy perspective, uh, I'd just love to hear both of your thoughts on, on this question. Um, you know, who wants to go first? I can go there first. There you go, Zach. Jump in. <laughs> yeah, go um, for it, Zach. It's, the resident it's funny because this ties into something I was reading. I'll give my own opinion too, but this ties into to something that I was reading. I think it was actually part of like the breakout session at uh, Cannes, and it was talking about creating ugly content. I don't know if any of you saw this, but not. there was a whole strand about people discussing the value in creating ugly, in quotes, again, I'm using all the air quotes today, ugly content or not perfectly polished, beautifully studio shot content, basically using things like iPhones, using just everyday footage and more mundane, uh, more mundane content in order to create some campaigns because it is actually resonating with people. Uh, I don't think it's as disruptive to your feed as a beautifully shot thing that you obviously clearly know is created by an agency or by a professional uh, when you're scrolling through and you see stuff that looks like all of your friends content, uh, unless you've got superstar photographer friends that post every day and that's all you look at, uh, <laughs> it might resonate a little bit better with you uh, as you're scrolling through your feed. Same thing goes for, for story ads. Um, I think for story ads, there's even more merit to it when you're, when you're looking at all your friends stories, which are even less, uh, orchestrated and less well designed and put together than than the posts in the feed, uh, you can really benefit from from adding in some content in your in your ads that's that's pretty mundane that's shot on an iPhone uh, because there is more on this authenticity to it in a way or at least that's the the objective that you're trying to get at. Obviously, you're still going to recognize at some point that it's an ad, and then I feel like it comes down to the individual consumers mindset whether they're going to think it's more authentic or not but i think for that split second for those first couple seconds whatever it is uh in that piece of content i think it is more authentic when you're using something that resonates a little bit better uh on the platform because it's a little bit more in line with what the majority yeah. of people and it's interesting to. too because i just and i'm curious zach i, I want to hear from you cole too cole but i'm curious zach like do you i'm going to say something and then i'm going to ask you a question so the if you look at the Apple ads that they've done with the iPhone 10, where they've done videos like films, short films off of the phone. And we look at those and we're like, Oh my God, it's recorded so beautifully. It, it looks like it wasn't used with the camera. It's funny. Cause like that goes to show like you can use a phone to do something that looks very professional, just like you can use a regular high end camera to do something that looks like unprofessional. And so it's interesting distinction there too. And it kind of comes mm -hmm. into like, like, would you say that you're, do you write with a certain perspective in mind when you're writing a script? Um, 
are you writing thinking like, hey, we want to use this type of camera, we want to do this kind of shot? Or do you kind of just write the script first? And then do you talk with a director? Or you get, you know, treatments from a director and kind of look at what production companies recommend you, you film it as? Like, how does that look? Uh, we definitely, when I'm writing, I'm trying to keep those things in mind. Granted, that might change. And I, I would say it does vary by project because sometimes if it's if it's really hot, I might just get it and, and go with it. Uh, but especially if we already have a, um, a particular look that we've been creating and that we've been pushing out, that's definitely incorporated yeah. into the way I'm writing. Um, at least to, to think about how, she, how scenes are going to be composed or how shots are going to be created uh, and all of that stuff. And, and to get back to what you were just saying, especially with Apple, I think ultimately what it comes down to is, is you know, the brand and what they stand for. Apple, it works for them so well because they're, the epitome of high class design. You know, that's what they've pushed in all their products. That's part of their identity. So I wouldn't expect Apple to ever really make as much of an ugly content or uh, I guess, a, yeah, an uglier content piece just because it doesn't really fit with their, their brand and their messaging. Um, but that definitely is something that I do think about when I'm writing. It's not as much of my responsibility as it is the art directors, obviously, or as it is the producer or, or photographer, whoever it may be. Uh, but it does carry some sort of weight when I'm when I'm making my decisions because there's there's certain elements of it that that will emerge in my work, whether it's you know the transitions or uh, the angles and stuff like that, that that might come into play when you're creating a scene or creating a world uh, that that does impact. So, yeah, I definitely would say that that is a part of my job and that I am considering that when I'm writing. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts too, Cole? Because it's um, just such an interesting I topic think, to dive uh, into. No, I actually have some pretty strong feelings about this. Um, I feel like uh, not just creativity and advertising, but just creativity in general and uh, people in general. So like celebrities and things like that, um, there's a bigger focus on authenticity. And the focus, I think now is that people really want to identify with who they're following or who they're looking at or who they're listening to. And so a bigger part of that, I think, is us all kind of realizing as a collective is like, you know, we're all human. We're not perfect. And we have come to not expect that so much, I think, from our media and from our celebrities, too. Um, you know, you think about like the, the classic Hollywood days, you know, Sunset Boulevard in the 50s and or even before that, you know, when there was you know, the golden age of Hollywood, it was all about, you know, presenting this very, you know, doctored you know, face to the world. And I think that even has continued with, you know, Photoshop and all the ways that we're able to alter content now and make it, and you know, fakes. look better. Exactly. And deep fakes. Yeah, exactly. Oh, but, but yeah, exactly. But we can get into that another time. But anyway, I think I don't that, want to. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, right. And I mean, you look at like, um, you know, I think even you look at Donald Trump. I mean, he is a very good example, I think, of a very authentic person or seemingly authentic in yeah. the way that he's able to connect with his audience. He says how he feels. He will, he, he is unfiltered, you know, he's like the ultimate, like unpolished guy, you know, and he's our president. And I mean, because in the end, people want someone they can relate to and talk to. Or for example, I mean, look at like Cardi B's Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's like <laughs> yes. a hodgepodge. It's like, what the hell is going on there? But she's one of the most famous celebrities in the entire world. And, you know, you think about, I, I think at least in America, or at least I think the things that I see are, I move towards authenticity and that people want someone that they can relate to. They want a brand that they can relate to, too. Uh, but um, that's why we all so like yeah, Wendy's, I think that, you know? I think yeah, and so I think that if the campaign calls for it, if you're a young brand too, if you're trying to market to a younger demographic, um, yeah, shoot it on an iPhone. I don't think it matters. I think if anything, it's better get vertical video. One thing that I'm waiting for, and I think it's going to start happening more and more, is creating high quality vertical video content. Because no one is really there yet. Only TikTok is the, mm -hmm. is really the big place or in stories, you know, you know, that content. But, you know, where does that go next? Like, I, I'm just curious, are we going to see like a five minute vertical video, you know, at some point here? Um, I, I mean, 
I think it, it's, it, it sticks to the medium, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's an iPhone. So I, I mean, again, yeah. I think there's, I a mean, campaign. and that, that's a great point too. This kind of gets off the topic, but if you want to look at <laughs> authentic brand messaging or like just giving your brand a personality, um, look at the Steakums Twitter. I don't know. Have either of you looked at it? No. Steakums? Okay. Zach, you He's especially as a writer will love it. it so at S-T-E-A-K underscore U-M-M. It is a low budget type of steak frozen food dinner. And they became famous. They even featured an ad week two years ago because they were doing a Twitter campaign through their post to get verified and they're making it seem like a conspiracy um, to even like the Twitter was just not, you know, giving them their badge because they're trying to hold the stake down, you know, stuff like that. You know, they have a thing pinned on the top of their Twitter that says attention stake them cult followers. Here are guidelines to our new world order. And it's bless everyone, even our idiot college intern Steve say no to Hot Pockets saying is it stake? Um, may you land you in a dungeon. Beef memes are currency and retweet everything, retweet everything so we can keep our jobs. And they have posts like, like, for example, like the Satan on Twitter said, can someone rule over hell for a while? I need a vacation. Stakem's reply is only if I can freeze it over. And then they'll just do like random ass posts in the middle of the night. And, and they'll have like, they'll do things like Stakem's bless for building community. And they're like, I really don't get political on here, but Stakem is pretty good. And don't mistake the finger pointing at the moon for the moon. You know, it's just random ass shit that makes no sense. And then they'll retweet really weird things. Um, it, it's just a very funny example of like building a personality. And, you know, it's like... <laughs> Yeah, and and they're known because of it, like just doing Being random shit, authentic, you know. <laughs> and then they'll do really oh, wow. Yeah. And hey, just twenty one hours ago, also they retweeted the owner of a College Bar in Tempe. Did they really? <laughs> Tempe made it. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, and then they'll do like that. really yes, just deep right. philosophical stuff. Like you didn't choose where you're born. You didn't choose your family or what happened to you growing up. You didn't choose your biological disposition or skills or flaws. You didn't choose most of what makes you you. Allow that to help you empathize with others. Stake and bless. It's just completely random. And then they tweet things about comets and space. Like, it, it makes no sense. <laughs> but, like, it, it has gotten such a cult following because of it. I mean, it, it you know, it's, it's pretty cool. I think that that's a great example, especially if you're a writer, especially if you're a creative, or if you're looking at like a smaller brand, like how do we build authenticity? Just say what's on your mind and find a way to tie it back in if you can. Cause like, that's what people care to hear. I think, you know, mm -hmm. well, and I think what it does is it makes you more multifaceted as a brand as well. It, it lets people start. It's, it's the ultimate challenger brand. Yeah. And it lets people start to understand who you are as a brand and as a, I, I want to say as a person, obviously you're still a brand, but almost if you were a person, it, it sort of personifies the brand so much better than just pushing out uh, super polished content that targets specific audiences and pushes specific products does, you know, when you just start to have a personality that extends beyond who you are as a brand and beyond what you do, and even beyond your, your market, uh, it really starts to develop this holistic multifaceted personality that you can you can use to relate to with other people that might not even yeah. be looking for your brand or might not even eat steak, for instance, you know what I mean? Yep. And, and it yep. really starts to give you more of a, of a, of a following in, in life. It's interesting as a brand, I want to say in life, that sounds kind of weird, but I, I truthfully mean it like in culture and in life, it really starts to give you more of a, of a foot. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it, there are some agencies whose job it is to solely not lose their brand money because there are some brands that are so well established that they're just trying to not rock the boat, you know, keep pushing sales, keep doing this and that. But then when you have like a smaller brand, a challenger brand, a less well-known one, it's very important to find ways to break through. And, you know, to our listener who sent in that question and to any of you listening out there, there's a great book written by Prentice Howe, who founded an Austin-based agency named Door Number Three, and it's it's something like um, 
Ah, the Challenger Brand Mindset. Hold on. Um, let me see if I can find the book. Yeah, you can find it on Amazon. It's called The Empowered, Ch- the Empowered Challenger Playbook, How Brands Can Topple uh, Giants, Steal Market Share, and Change the Game. Um, and it's a great read. It really is a legit playbook. It talks about different types of challenger brands and how to, to break through in, in spaces that have a dominant brand leader, a market leader. And it's interesting. It, you know, This kind of ties in with that too. And I think authenticity is going to be a huge part of that. Um, especially. And that matters even more in some smaller markets where there are startups or less well-known companies that really need to break through. Definitely. Got to break through using innovative means. Yep. Mm -hmm. And those can be authenticity. (laughs) Yep. And they start at Arizona State. When we'll see the bus billboards that ASU uses at CAN, I don't know, but they are innovative. So (laughs) (laughs) fun little inside joke there for any of you who go to Arizona State. Crow's going to be pulling up in that bus. Crow's bros rolling up in the bus. (laughs) Crow's bros at CAN. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Dripping crow's or drinking crow's But uh, with with all that aside, um, this episode went a little bit longer than we intended. So I hope you enjoyed. We're going to wrap it up now. but to end things, Zach, your coveted What's Up in Phoenix segment. How's it been? Life good? You know what? Contrary to uh, LA, it's pretty hot. Dude, it's so um, cold here. It's been in triple digits. And um, yeah, it's nice going to, to work in jeans when it's 105. Uh, but other than that, things are great. Um, agency marketplace is doing well. Uh, Lavage has been awesome to me. And, and we're doing pretty well right now, too. Uh, and I'm, and I'm liking it. So still looking to move eventually, probably going to come out to LA. I'll probably be joining you guys in the future. Don't know exactly when yet. I'm, but yeah, in the meantime, I'm, I'm enjoying my time here. So Phoenix awesome. is great business as usual. I'm glad. And I'm glad you're surviving the, the long walks from the parking lot to the office. <laughs> I don't, I don't miss those, yeah. but, uh, that's awesome, man. Glad to hear it. And uh, so I think with that, you know, we're going to wrap up. Um, we have an interview that I guess I can officially announce coming out soon in the coming weeks. I think we'll do a regular episode next week for 4th of July. Shout out to that. Shout out to Freedom in America. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have, an, I think, an interview coming out the following week with Alison McMorty, a good friend of mine who is now a director of media at UM London. Talk about her career, what her takes are on the media space. And, um, Zach and I just really love that conversation with her. So keep your eyes out for that. And, uh, you know, as always, thank you again for listening, Salad Folk. Uh, This is Trent signing off here now from L.A. And, uh, yeah, take it away, boys. Thanks, guys. Have an ad-tastic week.